show you how. Hello all and welcome to Build Your Own Funnel, the podcast where we inbound marketers teach you remodelers how to build your own marketing and sales funnel. On this podcast, we are never shy about diving into the weeds and giving concrete examples of campaigns that we have seen and run that have worked, boosting sales for remodelers like yourself. I am your co-host, Malachi Price, Builder Funnel's inbound marketing consultant. Today, I am joined by our junior marketing consultant and DJ, Matt Ehrlich, as always. That was longer than I was expecting. Um, but today, we are not joined by by Danny, and that's because we already have a pretty big crowd today. We actually have four guests on today. Um, these are our Builder Funnel specialists, and they're here to talk to us about SEO, basically how to clean up your website, how to get your website grade higher so that it's ranking better in the search engines. So let me introduce them one by one. We'll talk about what we're drinking, and then we will hop into it. Let's start with um, Matt. You go ahead first. What are you drinking uh, today? I am just drinking coffee. Oh, okay. Oh, my God! I'm t- <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm drinking decaf coffee like an old person, so I know that's not very interesting. Um, Hesley, you, uh, you, like everyone else, you've never been on this show before. Go ahead and introduce yourself real quick. Um, you are, are the new person on the team, so we're not going to have you have a whole segment, but you're here to hang out with us. Uh, tell us what you do at Builder Funnel and what you're drinking today. Hi, my name is Hesley. I'm coming up on 60 days at Builder Funnel as a marketing specialist, and yes. today I am drinking cashew milk. Cashew milk. How does it compare to the other non-dairy milks? Um, it's definitely, it just tastes like water, to be honest. Mm, yeah, they're pretty much the same as most of the non-dairy milks. Mm-hmm. Except for soy milk. I'm a big fan of soy milk. That's oh, I love like soy flavorful. milk. Yeah. yeah, that's my favorite one. Um, Kai, go ahead and introduce yourself. Say what you do, what you're drinking, and what your favorite non-dairy milk is. All right, I'm Kai, uh, part of Spec Gang Specialist. Uh, what I'm drinking, my girlfriend's big into water talk. So we have a bunch of water packets. Mm-hmm. So this one has like, I think it's like a nerds one, a Skittles one and all that. They, uh, they taste terrible, but my favorite non-dairy milk is also soy milk, preferably the chocolate one. Mm, nice. Wait, what are these things called? The things you put in the water? It's like just water packets, packets, but it's like, they have like nerds flavored ones, Skittles flavored ones. And it's like a whole like cult on TikTok. And it's like all these girls. And it's so like my girlfriend bought like, I, I could you probably like over a hundred packets like in the cabinet of like all these uh, flavors. Does she like them? Eh, I don't know. Oh They're man. They're pretty gross. Sunken cost fallacy. She's in too deep. <laughs> Damn. Yeah, that sounds terrible. Okay, cool. Um, next we have Cameron. What do you do? What are you drinking? And what's your favorite non-dairy milk? Hi guys, um, I am also a specialist. I've been with Builder Funnel for a little bit over a year now, and I have tart cherry juice mixed with a little bit of water, so it's diluted a little, so I'm not like being smacked with sugar in the morning. Okay, yeah, that makes me feel more normal because I always water down my juice, and people mm-hmm. give me weird looks for that. But like, juice is just it. I don't it know makes it last so longer. Yeah, exactly. Cool. Um, wait, did you say your favorite non-dairy milk? 
I did not. Um, I have to do almond, like sweetened almond milk. Sweetened? Yeah. Ugh. Okay. No, good for you. To each their this own. This guy hates fun. Any kind of fun. <laughs> I mean, yeah. <laughs> I, I only like the more boring ones. Cool. Well, welcome. Kehlani, go ahead. What do you do here? What are you drinking? What's your favorite non-dairy milk? Uh, I am a specialist transitioning into a strategist role, so kind of straddling both lines there. Yeah, I know. As the oldest person on this call, I am drinking my glucosamine supplement for great joints. Got to take care of your joint health. So there you go. And my favorite non-dairy milk is unsweetened vanilla almond milk. Unsweetened. You hear that? Yeah. Okay, cool. Uh, <laughs> I won't trash talk people's favorite non-dairy milks anymore. Um, why don't we just hop into it? Kai, we're going to have you go first. What What is it that you're talking about today, SEO-related? So we're talking about website, website health scores that we usually call them. Uh, Liz likes to call them on our calls. We call them the plumbing for the client's website. <laughs> I basically go in there and I fix and I optimize it and I make it uh I make it work and I make it do what it's supposed to do. Cool. Tell us more about like on a more granular level, because that's why people listen to to this podcast. Like what's what's what specific kinds of things do we do to fix up the plumbing of, of people's websites? Maybe you can give an example of one specific activity you've done and what it resulted in. Yeah, so mainly a lot of image optimization, um, going in there, compressing images, changing the size of them. Um, see, I knew, I knew, I'd, I knew I'd get on the spot like this. I have a whole list. Don't worry. Um, <clears throat> we'll fix redirects sometimes. I just fixed a ton of redirects for our, for one of our clients. Um, four hundred four links. Just uh, just lots of like mostly images and link issues. I'd say. Okay, let, let's define a couple terms here. Um, so firstly, image optimization. We talk about that a lot on this show already. I think our listeners probably know what that consists of, but this is maybe, I, this is my opinion. I think the number one SEO issue people tend to have is not having optimized images and it just slowing your website down and you know not having alt text, which is the text that you put behind the image um, that can also help you uh, rank in search engines. Um, but let's see, the other things you mentioned, let's talk about redirects. Not necessarily a, a bad thing. When, when are redirects a bad thing and when do you use them? Um, so you use them when we're gonna unpublish a page and it, we, we just see out. I'm still kind of new or I'm still learning this myself. Take your time, right? man. But I'm going to take my time. <laughs> uh, we usually do them when we're going to unpublish a page, and we don't want to go in there and have to manually like relink every single page that the article or page was linked into. Um, so we will set up a re redirect link in HubSpot, basically telling it to any page that was linking to this link, now link to this. Um, I'll be honest, I, I, I've, I'm still like learning like when it's bad. Um, but I know the pages that get flagged, it's when it has multiple redirect links or a lot of pages are linking to one redirect. 
that's usually when you want to go back in there and clean it up and make sure it's just linked to the direct page you want it to go to. Yeah, and and I'm sorry, that was kind of a loaded uh, kind of leading question. Um, redirect links are usually not a bad thing, um, but when you have like a million of them, sometimes it's inevitable because if you have to get rid of a bunch of shitty old content, you're going to have to create a bunch of redirect links, and that's inevitable. But the more redirect links you have, the worse it looks in search engines. So you want to try to avoid that. But a redirect is better than a 404, which if you unpublish a page, which you often have to, um, as Kai is talking about, um, that page just doesn't exist anymore. So when people visit it and, and it's just a 404, you, you get dinged for that. It's better if you have it redirect to another page. But another instance where it's better to... Um, uh, where where you want to be mindful of redirects is sometimes you can have a redirect uh, chain where you have a link that's redirecting to another link, which is redirecting to another link. And you want to avoid that as much as possible. But that's really good getting way, into the nitty gritty of it. I was going to say, I've learned that the hard way. A good way to avoid that is when you're in HubSpot, and I would assume this is for any like website backend you're doing this in, but when you're looking or say you're in there to do a redirect, always paste the link that you're going to redirect from into like the search to check if there's already a redirect because I've done it where I've redirected and then there was already like a redirect in there and it just causes all sorts of errors. Yeah, and by the way, I'm just so we can be very tactical here, um, I know not all of you guys listening are on HubSpot, but I want to quickly explain how you actually create redirects in HubSpot real quick. Um, when you're in HubSpot, you can go to the little cogwheel, click on that, then go down in the left-hand column, go down to Website, and then Domains and URLs. And then in there, you can click over to another tab, which says URL Redirects, and then you can click Add URL Redirect. You'll also be able to look at all of the redirects that you currently have in that. Um, okay, Kai, I feel like you're already taking all, all of the good stuff from the other specialists. Is there anything else that you wanted to mention before we move on to Cameron? Um, really, really quick tip, too. So I sound like I, I know how to do my job. The big thing is, if you're using HubSpot, um, if you're going to link internally link to stuff, use the page feature instead of actually using the link. Um, so you'll go in there, and it'll say link to, and you can say URL, you can say page link to the actual page because that's a way to really avoid having to do redirects because if you ever update the link uh, for that one blog or that one web page, it won't go to a 404. It will already update it because you're updating it to the, or you're linking it to the page instead of the link. I know our writers do that, but I didn't do that at first. Um, and it saves me a lot of time if we ever need to change a link or avoid redirects. Oh, that's good. That's clever. By the way, don't trust um, Kai's lack of confidence on here. He's really good at his job. Um, let's go on to Cameron. Cameron, what do you have for us today? Talk, talk, to, talk SEO to us. So I'm going to get a little bit more in depth with like a specific issue, but I feel like it's commonly looked over because of like going back to like the images. I know that takes up a lot of speed and slow down with websites, but I wanted to talk about indexable pages and sitemaps because it's a quick fix and it for our one client that i had when i was looking at this they had over like 350. i know they have like a lot of like big images also but we i was kind of doing half and half 
so that I could get their score up and not just focusing on just the images. So sitemaps are basically, um, they help search engines like Google to crawl and index your website. And you want this page to be indexable by Google. So what the sitemap does is, it so when you add a URL, URL in there, it'll basically just let them know that the, you want them to crawl it and you want it to be on search engine results. So when I saw that issue come up, because we had a lot of pages for the one client, the one thing that I like to turn to for AREFs is that little like question mark. And it says, I think it's like why and how to fix. I just clicked that. And nine times out of 10, it'll, I'll be able to solve it from there because it does a good job of explaining it. But if it gets a little bit more complicated, I just do a quick Google search and that's what I did. Um, so basically it just said, if you have like any unique or like relevant pages that you want to be indexed, you would just want to take that URL and include it in the sitemap. Yeah. And just to give further context to to our listeners, um, we, we've talked about Ahrefs in here before, but that's a tool that we use uh, if we want to look at the plumbing, so to speak, of a website um, and and look at these kinds of things. Look for SEO errors and also how to how to fix and change them. That's what Cameron is referring to. Um, but also, I have a feeling that people are listening thinking, like, why would I ever not want a page indexed? Like, of course, I want everything indexed, right? And I, there are some – I don't want to put you on the spot because this is another le leading question, so to speak. But but there are instances where we don't want to index pages, right? Like, why why is manually indexing pages even even necessary, I guess? I'm thinking this has to do with like blog listing pages and I'm not sure if this is correct, but any of those where it can come up with, this is another SEO issue with canonical issues. So if it's, if Google is thinking there's like a duplicate page, maybe. Yeah. I'm too sure. For sure. You, you don't want to index pages that like don't exist anymore. And then also a good, um, something we talked about before on this podcast is when you have a premium content campaign, we want to deliberately make it so that people can't access that content unless they're filling out a form first. And part of the way that we do that, if, if your premium content campaign is performing really well, it will list itself in Google unless you specifically say that it shouldn't. And what I mean by that is you, you have to go into the settings of your thank you page that deliver the premium content campaign or sorry, the actual thing, the ebook, um, and you have to put in a thing called robots.txt, which says don't, don't index this page because we don't want people to be able to access this page in um, a search engine un unless they are first going to the uh, landing page and filling out a form first. I know that you guys are all familiar with this, but do you feel like that's clear to the, the listener? Do you feel like I explained that well? Anything to add? Okay, we feel good about that. Cool. Cameron, anything else that you wanted to mention in terms of website plumbing or, or indexing? So going back to images, because I know that's kind of like the main thing, especially with our clients, because we are in a very like, visual focused industry, especially online, renaming your files. I know we talked a lot about like alt text and all of that stuff, but renaming your files correctly. So what I do is I use hyphens when I'm, whenever I'm doing image compression, I'll do um, the file renames just while I'm in there too. 
So I use hyphens instead of spaces because I was doing a little bit of research and some programs on some computers, they aren't able to like delineate um, all those words and the file name. So if it's just spaces in there, it might take all those and jumble them all as one word that like isn't going to be able to get crawled by Google. So I just found that it helps, especially with if you're trying to get images high up on the first page of Google images, um, it's just easier for Google to like understand and read what that file is. Right. Because there's some guesswork involved here, but my understanding is that Google and other search engines, they read a hyphen basically the way they read a space. But if you have two words just like mashed together, then it's, you know, it's completely incomprehensible. Or, or at least Google is like, wow, these guys don't know how to write. Mm -hmm. um, and we'll ding you for that. Yeah, that's a good one. And also another random tip for naming your photos, something that I like to do is that um, if alt text populates at all by itself without you putting it in manually, it'll be populating just the name of the file. So similar to what Cameron's saying, I, I like to just name the file when relevant, whatever I would want the alt text to be. Because then whenever I use that file, it's just it's just using the thing that I already named it for the alt text. It doesn't always work because you don't always want your filing system to be based on just what the alt text would be, but it it depends. And I won't I won't get too much into the nitty gritty of that. Yeah, I do that. I do that usually when I'm adding alt text as like the file name. And I do have a tool I'll mention later that helps with like the speed of doing that too. Ooh, okay, cool. All right. Kalani, tell us what uh, you're here to show us today. Uh, well, it's hard to go last because obviously everybody else has covered a lot of great things. Um, anchor. And since... Since you've talked about images a lot before, I'm going to take another direction. Um, an issue, well, several issues that we have pop up a lot for our clients is just how you're naming your page titles and what you're putting in your meta description. So sometimes we'll have clients that come to us and they either didn't put anything at all in their meta description, which is horrible, or they will just like copy and paste part of the content in there. Um, but there are several reasons why that's not very efficient. Uh, first of all, it just looks like you're mimicking all of your content in all of the little sections and Google doesn't like that. Google likes you to be, uh, original. It likes you to be thorough and it likes you to delineate things apart from each other. Um, but also the length of your titles and your meta descriptions, they matter. Um, I know a lot of people maybe don't pay attention to that. But the reason it does matter is that you have to have enough in there for Google to realize what your page is about. And so you have to have enough characters to do that, but also you can't go over their character count because they'll be like, no, no, this is too much. I'm gonna move on. I'm not going to show this in Google results. Um, and that sounds really tedious to go through and check the character counts of all of your meta descriptions and all of your page titles. but. I mean, we, we've been shown over and over that it matters. Google cares about it. Like no matter how, you know, dumb we might think it is, Google's like, no, no, it matters. You have to do it. So um, I know on HubSpot, like they will tell you your character count. They'll tell you if you're within a good uh, length for your character count, if it's too short, if it's too long. Um, 
And so just paying attention to that is huge because those issues will get flagged in a place like Ahrefs. Um, and then you have to go back and fix them all. So just paying attention to that when you set up a page, paying attention to it when you're editing your page, super important. Yeah. I, a couple follow-up thoughts on that. So we, we have the privilege of, because we use HubSpot, um, which we highly recommend just for what it is that we do. But for people who don't use HubSpot, they don't get that thing necessarily that's like, hey, this this header is not header. Uh, this description or, or title is too long or too short. Does anyone know how long they should, like just off the top of your head, how long they should be? I think title is supposed to be under 70, right? And then meta description is 150. 140 and then i think the preview text for an email is like 155 right. <laughs> I I like all of those in like the order but i think i've been looking at those for so long i think it's that yeah i thought it was 50 to 60 for title and then it was 150 to 160 for meta descriptions i could be wrong on that but that's just how we do it in blueprints but that was based on i looked it up on google and the first result google gave me gave me that so i was like well google's not going to tell me something wrong so but this could be because we've talked to like steven about this you know him he was featured on the podcast before um he talked about how at a certain point it gets cut off anyway depending on the device so it's like necessarily as long as it's within like a certain range it won't really matter or something to that effect so i don't know if it's like a hard stop you have to hit like if you go slightly over 170 like i don't know if it's gonna be the end of the world right yeah according to google right now it's between 150 and 160 characters which means either letters or spaces or punctuation or whatever um for meta descriptions and for meta titles it's 50 to 60 characters you can have them lower than that though and you can have them longer than that because some you know some like w is 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 wider than i for example so this is just a rough average but um i think something that we haven't actually explained yet is why can't they be too long like what happens if they're too long mm -hmm. <laughs> feel so e I feel I feel like the the teacher who's like quizzing everyone for the big test like patronizing if no one, if no one answers we're gonna call on someone or I'll just answer I'll, I'll <laughs> I can answer because I just alluded to it in the other um what I'd said before it's based on also I have to talk more uh it's based on isn't that just where it would get cut off based on the sizing of like on Google, but I know yeah. that's different depending on device. If you're on mobile, it's going to show less because it's going to, you know, obviously it's longer. So I, I think it's less in that scenario. Yeah, basically it, this is, this is the rule, the rule, the rules of thumb that we are giving are based around if it's too long, you'll get the dot, dot, dot at the end of your description or title, which means that it just cuts it off. People don't see the whole thing. And that's not always the worst thing, but like, why would you have your meta anything longer than what people are actually going to see? It just makes you look kind of amateurish. And also, they're never going to see the rest of it, because once they click on the page, they're on the page. They're not looking at your meta description anymore. And if keywords are in there, you're potentially, you know, they're not going to see those. Right, right. 
Um, okay, fun stuff. Kaylani, any other interesting thoughts on metas in particular? Um, I'd just say make sure that it's a good summary of what your page is about without just copy and pasting information from your page. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah, just try to really sum up the useful information in your meta description so that Google recognizes it as useful and gives it to the people who are Googling. Right. I like to, it's really hard given the limitation of the character count, but I like to try to set it up as almost like a CTA. Acknowledge pain points, say what's on the page, and then tell them to, to engage with the page. Tell them to click here. Um, that sort of thing. Cool. All right. I, I think we'll just open it up to, to the crowd. Maybe we can just do rapid fire. People are listening to this episode because they don't even know what's wrong with their SEO, let alone how to fix it necessarily. So what are other kind of quick tips that we have? And Hesley and Matt, you guys can chime in too. I feel like a good place to start is with H1s because if you, most of our, all of our clients have blogs and some of them just, if they have a blog and they're coming to us with a few posts that they already have and we'll look at it. And when we go in the back end of it, it'll be like H3 at the top, like H1 is all the way at the bottom or it might not even be in there. So I feel like that's a really good way to start because it kind of gives you that overlay of, it makes sense with how it is like H1, you want it to be in like a, kind of like a pyramid structure. Like you don't want your first like main title to be H2 because Google's just not going to look at that and be like, you don't know what you're doing. So you, it's important to make sure you have like H1, if you have a subheading H2 and then any subheadings, like sub subheadings under that, you want it to be in like that chronological order. Right. Not for what Kaylani said. Google is very picky, and they if they see things out of order, they're gonna they're gonna flag you. And and just to give context, because Cameron's smart enough to use all this jargon without realizing that it's jargon not everyone knows. But headers like H one means header one, as in like that's what we want the first header on the page to be. And then H two should be like the subdivision of that. H three should be a subdivision of an H two. By the time you get to H4, you've probably gone too far. H5, forget about it. Unless you're on like a thousand, thousands of words long page, you probably don't want to use H5s. But yeah, just to reiterate, you don't want your H3s to be above your H2s. You want them to be in, in order of their rank, so to speak. Yeah, that's a good one. And also a common one that people don't even realize that they're doing wrong. Because people like to use uh, H1s, H2s, whatever, for styling, like mm -hmm. using it because they're bigger and not because it actually aids the outline. Don't do that, guys. If you want bigger words, just make the words bigger. Um, don't use headers just for styling. Anyhow. What else we got? Quick tips. There's a lot Check of knowledge in links. this Zoom room. Again, Matt? Uh, check for broken links. Uh, Screaming Frog is free. You can easily find those unless you have a gigantic website in which I'm pretty sure it caps out on the free version at like a certain number of pages, but I don't think I've ever hit one of those pages, but crawl your website. Is it 500? Yeah, 500 URLs. You're right. It pops up every time. Yeah. 
um unless you have 500 pages and then you're screwed um check for broken links uh and you can also use that to assess any sort of other seo um if you don't have something like hubspot which will do it for you uh you can use it to check you know missing h1s duplicate h1s it's a really useful tool it takes five seconds to crawl your website um maybe slightly longer depending on the size but awesome resource if you're not using it it can make or break you know how fast your website is how responsive etc yeah another good quick tip that i get out of that too is just that if you if you have more than 500 urls in other words if you can't crawl your whole site in screaming frog your website's probably too big dude um you probably need to pare it down um it's rare for even uh, remodelers and builders to need that many pages that's just too many pages Okay, maybe we have one or two more before before we call the episode. I know we talked about like image optimization, but I guess you're really big into video. I know some of our clients are. Just keep in mind about the size of those videos too, because you know while like a, while like a 4K 60 frame video might look really nice, uh, one a lot of people, especially if they're on mobile, they won't even realize the quality difference, and that's just like a massive, massive file size. So you can have that, but also maybe have like a more compressed, I think it's like seven, 720p is like good for social even, um, not social, like just like on websites, uh, like you don't really need like a super high quality video all the time because um, those can really slow down your page too. Uh, that's a good one. I, I also want to add that something that helps with this is um, as Kai says, uh, if you're on mobile, the perceived quality is going to be different. You don't need as high of quality because it's a much smaller screen. Um, if you have HubSpot, I think it's Marketing Pro. Uh, I can't remember which part of the subscription that you need uh, for it, but there's one that lets you have uh, smart content. And what that means is that you can have the content be different according to how people are viewing it. So for example, if you have a page that has a video on it, you can have the 1080p or 2K or whatever the hell version of the video uh, for browser, and then you can have um, for or for desktop, I mean, and then for mobile, you can have the smaller version of the video, which is better optimized. Not to mention that people, I think it's up to like 50%, if not more, of people are, are browsing the internet on their phone um, nowadays anyway. It's probably above that, I imagine. Yeah, that's a really good one. Let's get one more before we call it. I feel like we have a lot of good information in this episode. Um, you know, I was just going to say, making sure that your web pages are optimized for mobile, like not just the videos and images, but like your content. Because the vast majority of people currently are Googling on their phones. Like that's the fastest way people have it in their pockets. Um, they think of something they want to know the answer or they want to find a company that can answer their problem and they Google it on their phone. And so just making sure that when you're previewing any new content or anything like that, that you are looking at it in the mobile view, because a lot of times the desktop view will look beautiful and immaculate and you're like, this is wonderful. But then you click into mobile view and it just is terrible. There's overlapping content. There's um, too much of a space in between your content. Um, and so just making sure that you find that good balance of like making it look good, yes, on the desktop, but also checking that when you are in mobile view, it doesn't look like 
you're a total idiot and you don't know what you're doing with your website. So, um, yeah. That's a good one. I, I also, I feel like people might be thinking, wait, aren't we talking about user experience? I thought we were talking about SEO because people assume SEO is all the technical stuff. And that is also true. But fortunately or unfortunately, depending on how you look at it, UX is SEO. Like how well your content works and how usable it is. Google knows how much people like and revisit your page and how much time they spend on your page. And that's a matter of how good the the user experience design is. Um, and that's why that is an SEO uh, function as well. And then Cam, I feel like you were going to say something. I, I was going to say exactly that, making sure you're optimizing for removal. Because I remember we had an issue with one of our clients with CTAs. Whenever, like Kaylani said, when we were, would look at it on desktop, it would look beautiful. All the spacing was okay. But when it got to mobile with the CTAs, it was like this. It was like stretched out way too wide. So that's what we turned to um, the smart content for. I don't know. I don't know if it's that marketing pro, but one of our clients did have that. So we tested it out and it saved me so much time than just making three different size CTAs for like mobile, tablet, and desktop. Yeah. Smart content, super helpful. Also really nerdy SEO stuff, but worth it. Cool. Well, as you can tell, guys, there's a lot that goes into SEO, um, search engine optimization, uh, so much so that we have a room full of, uh, a Zoom room full of six people here who basically do it for a living. Like, there's a lot to it, guys. Um, which is why we're happy to keep giving you tips. Uh, you can do it. I, I promise if you just put the time into learning it and, and the effort into making these changes, you can fix up your website and make it rank better for organic traffic. Um, but if you are like, I don't have time for all this shit, this is too much, then you should reach out to us and we'd be happy to help. Um, foundations, for example, uh, is something that we offer where we just completely redo your website for you based on what we know works for a website. You just start out with a brand new website. And the fun thing about that is that all of your SEO issues are immediately gone because it's a brand new website that's designed to to our very high standards. Um, and then another thing we offer is blueprints, where we look at all of the things that you're currently doing for marketing, um, how your website's doing, and we make comprehensive recommendations for a full year marketing strategy based on that, which includes um, monthly SEO recommendations for this kind of stuff. So, um, it's been a real pleasure. Thank you for coming on to this uh, special episode, everybody. Uh, thanks to our listeners. Uh, Matt, go ahead and cue the music. I said the outro before the outro music. So now what do I say? You guys are all great. Um, I'm going to give some feedback right now. All of you stuttered. Uh, your volume, your levels were all off. This was... We're going to have to do it again. <laughs> yeah. Let's retake this one. This, this was a very bad recording. Cut this.